0: Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. To start, we've got to go and actually talk to the customer and listen to them. And and by the way, that's a key tip that people forget sometimes. They say, I don't know what my customer thinks. I don't know what they need. And I say, I have a great idea. Why don't you go ask them? Oh, Yeah. yeah, we haven't done that yet. Okay, let's go talk to them. And so to simplify is what do they actually need? Don't give them everything. There are times when you don't want to show the customer all the things that you do. Yeah, but I also can do this and I can also help you with this and I can also help you with this. That might overwhelm them depending on who your target customer is. What is the biggest pain point they're dealing with and how are you going to solve it in a way that gives them a return on their investment and makes their life better?
1: Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed. Fix the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed episode 100. You know, I can't actually believe I just said that. That is super exciting, but we'll come back to that later. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Derek Champagne. Derek is a CEO, is CEO of The Artist Evolution, a marketing, design, and practice management firm. He helps businesses of all budgets design and implement marketing strategies that yield tangible results. Derek has developed and managed brands and marketing campaigns in multiple industries, from startups to household names. He is a guest lecturer at business conventions and college business marketing classes, covering marketing and social media subject matter. Derek is also a nationally published musician who has made musical contributions to the soundtracks of television shows on ABC, MTV, Bravo, Oxygen, and the E Channel. Derek, so glad to have you on the show today and congratulations for being Guest 100. I was just gonna congratulate you for guest, uh, for (laughs) for the
0: 100th episode, Naftali, thank you so much. And and if I can say, I really love what you're doing. Uh, I love how you feature guests who share real stories, and and I think that's one of the best ways to learn is to see those that, that have been there and leave some breadcrumb trails of how we can get there as well. So thank you for this platform.
1: Oh, my pleasure, and I certainly want to get into those stories. You know, it's so interesting, Derek, before we start to sort of dive in, um, this is – I was thinking about it from a timing standpoint – in, in 2017, I published my book called Becoming the New Boss, which is a leadership book I've been talking about it on social a lot, sort of like bring, bringing awareness back to the book because I think it really is a valuable resource, especially for new leaders. And it was the summer, that summer, 2017, I went off to Chicago and I attended an author's conference to learn more about just getting my book out there to sort of mingle with other authors, learn new new elements. And that is where I got the push from one of the presenters in particular to start a podcast because it just seemed like the right platform to not only talk about the book, which I don't do so much, but to talk about the book's topic, which is leadership, right? And to really create relevance around that topic. And so I've been, you know, at it for a while. Sometimes I have guests in a flurry and we're publishing weekly, which is what I should be doing. Sometimes I publish a little bit less frequently. And so it's kind of crazy that here I am five years later, more or less, since the podcast started, and I finally got to the first major hurdle, I guess you would say, of episode 100, and hopefully we will have many more to come. So I'm um, really excited to have this conversation and also really excited to talk about your, um, your expertise. And first of all, a, a big shout out to Aaron Walker, the Big A, who was one of my guests earlier who made this connection, and anyone who he says should be on the podcast, especially I understand you are one of his facilitators uh, yes. for his mastermind. We're going to get into that later. So that uh, that just sort of amplifies your credentials a hundred times that alone. <laughs> um, but just yesterday I was out of state and I was working with a nonprofit and um, they do a lot of really, really good work in the in the space of what we call outreach, which is helping people who are of, you know, I'm Orthodox Jewish, so it's of the Jewish faith become more connected to their faith, to understand more what it means to be Jewish, what it means to live a life where you're connected to the core, let's call it principles, religious values, tenets, all of that. Um, And at the same time, while they've done a great job in sharing their their information, from a marketing standpoint and from a branding standpoint, everybody that I spoke with, because I really met with the entire organization, felt like just hasn't been the focus. It just hasn't been sufficiently, let's call it professional. And if you're reaching out to people who are college educated, who are 21st century citizens, who really want to be able to sort of see how does this tradition, how does this religious value, I'm not asking you to talk about religion now, but how sure. do these principles and concepts relate to me as a modern man or woman, you know, somebody in this contemporary age in which we live. So marketing and branding is really important for all of that. What is the brand, right? Who are we as an organization and how do we market ourselves to the, you know, the, the, the community that we want to reach so that they want to be able to learn from us, engage with us and all that kind of stuff. And of course you're helping businesses as well. So I'm really curious because when I write my report later, you know, send it back to them, I want to be able to incorporate all your wisdom here. What (laughs) would you say are the core components of let's start with branding. What are the core components of a successful brand, whether it's a nonprofit or a for profit business?
0: yeah, absolutely thank you. Uh, first of all, Neftali, I, I want to give a context here is I've had the opportunity to audit and review over two thousand brands. So wow. from startups to household names. So uh, when I share these things, I think this is important for context. is there's so many marketing experts out there, and sometimes yeah. that's an air quotes and sometimes it's not. Uh-huh. Uh, and and so what is what is the historical context that they're sharing advice from? And how do I actually apply it to my life? And I hear this a lot. I, I mean, look, with all the audits I've done, it's probably similar in your space, is you quickly identify, oh, here's a missing piece. Here's a missing gap in strategy or in branding or an execution. You can identify, I-, I can identify quickly because I've seen so many case studies. Uh, but essentially a brand is what your target customer knows about you. Like I want to strip all the complicated definitions out. And so whenever I talk with a brand that says, I, you know, I'm not sure if my brand's great. I'm not sure what I need to do with it. The simple question is, are you attracting the right kind of people that appreciate your product, that want to consume and understand the value of it, and can afford it? Can, can afford it? Really that simple. Like I, I'm a simple guy. I want a, you, I want a simple explanation. And I'm a student of a game, so I'm always going to study it. But is that, it really is that simple. And if they don't know, if the, if the kind of customers that you need, if the kind of donors that you need don't know about you or don't understand you, you don't have a brand. You know, I simple. love that.
1: I love that. There are a couple of things I want to dive into with what you just said. So stripping the complications away and sort of getting to the crux, uh, I'll be honest with you, that's that's a challenge I've had. But, and I'll tell you why. You know, I coach, I consult, I train, um, I write. You know, I have a variety of different services that I provide, a variety of different areas where I would consider myself to have some realm of expertise And I know that a lot of, let's say, you know, this nonprofit, for example, they've got maybe a core mission, but they've got, I'm sure, a a suite of services that they provide. And most companies do. So everybody wants to throw, you know, everything at the customer because why leave something out? On the other hand, oftentimes less is more. So I'm curious to know, how do you go through that process with a client where, and again this is for anyone who's listening obviously I encourage them to reach out to you for for their for their for their branding needs but the point is what would you say to someone who has a range of things that they can help you with or serve or products that they sell that kind of gets to the core of yeah, I, of, I, of that yeah
0: tell you, that's a great question and again I'm going to keep this I'm going to keep this simple on this part of it not because we can't consume more complicated pieces but I think bite size is important. And, and I'll share in, in a minute, if we have time, I'll share the, the kind of the five crisis points in an audit that we found around branding and marketing that when those are solved, it's an umbrella. It's it's what I wrote about in my book, Don't Buy a Duck. I cover those five points. I'm happy to share them here today. But let's go specifically to what you asked about. And you know wh- when I'm looking at all the, it, this happens a lot with tech companies. I, I'm not gonna name the tech company, but it's one of the top companies in the world that came to us earlier this year to help them refine their messaging. And it's a name that everyone that's listening uses, whether you know it or not, it's on your computer right now. And they just couldn't connect. And this is a great brand that had great agencies, but they were just throwing all their services in the kitchen sink and hit, trying to hit their customer in the face with it. And that was the wrong approach. And so to start, and you've heard this before, To start, we've got to go and actually talk to the customer and listen to them. And and by the way, that's a key tip that people forget sometimes. They say, I don't know what my customer thinks. I don't know what they need. And I say, I have a great idea. Why don't you go ask them? Oh, Yeah. yeah, we haven't done that yet. Okay, let's go talk to them. And so to simplify is what do they actually need? Don't give them everything. There are times when you don't want to show the customer all the things that you do. Yeah, but I also can do this, and I can also help you with this, and I can also help you with this. That might overwhelm them, depending on who your target customer is. What is the biggest pain point they're dealing with, and how are you going to solve it in a way that gives them a return on their investment and makes their life better? And either makes their life better because if they don't do it, they're going to be in pain, or if they do do it, they're going to save a bunch, and they're going to be a hero, right? either in pain or make them a hero. And if that's the approach and you simplify it, you can bring the other things later. Those are the great add-ons. All the other services you have, add those on later. And so, when we talk about looking at a target customer, we want to do what we call target segmentation, and that is really understanding them, what's important to them, and then dissecting it even more. Going, do is this? Can I tell them all this thing? Is all this messaging matter to them, or do maybe I have two or three subsets of customers in here? And if so, are there unique? Are their communication needs so unique that? I will lose customers by trying to tell them everything. Do I need to subset them? And can I have a singular focus of that key pain point or benefit and just stick with that? And maybe there's three different campaigns if you have three targets, but you can't tell everybody everything in Connect. We don't have time anymore, Naftali. We don't. We have a few seconds. We have a few seconds to brush up against our ideal target customer and and if it if it matters, and if we're a fit, they better know it, and they better recognize the key point that matters to them because you may not have a chance to talk to them again. That doesn't mean you're not doing four, five, six touch points with that target customer. But don't waste an opportunity to have a meaningful conversation and connection that resonates with them when it counts,
1: yeah, yeah. and And so I so much there. um I, I am curious to know. and And there's another question I must ask you, which will follow afterwards. But that last point, sort of staying there for the moment, because you hit on it earlier and then you came back to it, the idea of listening to your customers, right? asking them, listening to them, and using that feedback as the basis for whatever campaign you put out there, whatever messaging. Why is it, and, and I know I suffered from this as well, I don't know if it's an arrogance or what, why is it that, that you find that so many people just don't automatically assume that listening to their customers and asking those questions is step one like why is that sort of like this aha for so many people that i did everything i came out there i knew all this stuff i put it all together and now like you know crickets it's not working ask your customer like why didn't they start there
0: yeah i i I think part of it can be arrogance it can be yeah look it's something i struggle with myself i've had nine companies some have some have done okay some haven't and i can always point back to myself and either my unwillingness to ask the right questions to bring the right people around me or the arrogance around no i've got this and so that's not the whole thing neftali sometimes we just don't think to we want them to like it so much we they see the customer this is what's you know if we're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs right now leaders which we are i mean they don't what the customer is seeing today is an iceberg of all the work that I have done the money, the sweat, the tears, the laughter, the failed businesses, the successes, the teams, the turnovers, the lines of credits. Let's just, we could just do this for five hours, right? Just name all the things that we've done as leaders to help get this off the ground. They don't understand the context, Naftali. They don't understand the context of this product and how well I've refined it. My agency now, 15 years. What are you going to tell me? I know this product. But yet yesterday, I had to sit down and put on mute and listen to one of our key our, our key referral sources, a big referral source, and just, just say, I want to hear what you have to say. We missed the mark on something, and I want to hear how we can make this product better. Now, we gave them a spot to tell us, and we found something out really important. And they love us, but we found an area to improve. And by asking that question... It's it's probably going to double or triple the business, and it's, it, they're referring like seventy percent of new customers right now. Look look at that, just by asking the question. So that didn't directly answer it. Why don't we ask? I think it's because we feel like we have we have better historical data than the customer does. But that customer doesn't care. They don't care about the journey you've taken. They care about your story maybe if you're selling to them. But they don't. They're not carrying all the baggage that you as an owner or a leader are carrying. They just want to know how this product's going to help my life right now. And why it matters and why i should choose you over everybody else if i'm going to do it
1: yeah yeah and that's of course going to matter to their customers as well which is really neat. so let's go back to something else derek you mentioned before you talked about trying to tap into either the customer's biggest pain point or making them a hero now making somebody a hero is language that sounds like donald miller to me story brand i'm sure you're familiar um for myself, because I'm not sure I've ever fully gotten the concept, and I certainly wonder if others are curious about it as well, what does it mean to make a customer make a uh, potential client the hero in their own story? And how does that affect a marketing approach?
0: So a couple things, Natalie, I want to kind of clarify. I think that I think making someone the hero in the story is different than understanding how to make them a hero. And, and purchasing your product or service. Okay, so I just, you for if I can make that it. distinction, yeah, sure. And I think it's an important distinction. So if we're talking about how do I make somebody a hero, if that's appropriate, if I can instead take a quick step back and say the, the mindset that you take is without going with any assumptions. So you're not necessarily saying I'm going to make them a hero yet. You're going in and saying I'm going to do an exercise. Because I don't know if I'm if you if you're listening and you're saying, I'm not sure if my product or service is connecting with the right people the right way. I'm, I'm just not sure. I think it's pretty good. I'm getting referrals. You know, I, I sell some, but I don't know if it's a magnet. When you have a magnet and you have it on the right side and you put it down on some paper clips or whatever that metal is, you have there's no mistaking it. You have a powerful source that is attracted and they just cling to it. Don't we want our businesses like that?
1: Absolutely. Admit, how
0: incredible is that? And and look, I've been through phases with our agency and other companies where we weren't that magnet. We were sticking some. But we're, so my mindset is always, how do we get a better stickiness? How do we get it to stick better? And and sometimes it's adjusting the product, sometimes it's adjusting the brand a little bit. But when we're talking about this hero side of things, you want to actually go in and there's an intersection of, of looking at your products and services and then looking at your customer really closely and really dialing into their world. I want you to learn everything about them you can. And I'm not just talking surface level. I'm not just talking about religion and stage of life and you know political views, whatever whatever those things are. I want you to understand them. It sounds creepy and it's not. I want you to understand them like a relationship. Like if I want a relationship with my wife, I need to understand her. And it's not a one-time thing. I need to continually be on the same page with her. Her needs change. So I need to be in conversation. So even once you do this exercise, it's not set it and forget it. Your spouse, your significant other is going to continue to evolve. Your customers evolve. You need to continue that relationship in that way. So I want you to really understand them. And that takes time to sit down and do an exercise and, and really look at them, and go, what what are they go- going through right now? Like what matters most to them right now? Are they, are they, what, what are some commonalities I can identify with them that are important in their world? Here's what's come out of it. Not only has great messaging come out of that, sometimes it's like, oh, wow, if I want them to make a decision now, they need to be the hero. That's when a hero thing will come in because you'll see it. And I have people come in to, to us sometimes and say, my customer's just not buying right now. It's 18 months. And we go, is there is there a different motivator we need to look at where maybe they'll buy tomorrow? Like it, it, maybe it's not always an 18 month sales cycle. What if, what if it actually could happen in, in three weeks or three months? Like, let's go into their world. And sometimes we'll find a certain product and we go, oh, they care more at Father's Day or they care more during their kid's graduation about your product than they do at any other time of the year because family is top of mind and legacy is top of mind. So it, maybe it's your product, maybe it's Maybe it's leadership around the family during, you know, wh- where's their mindset at where they're most likely to need to have a meaningful, deep conversation where my product just authentically slides right in there so it's not always hero sometimes it's not but a lot of times it's a hero message of saying this is why it matters for you to be active right now and this is how our product can help you and i i I emphasize the authenticity part because marketing gets a bad name sometimes and i am i i get my stomach turns at bad marketing and and cheesy marketing and and, and, you know I like authentic marketing. Like, is it if it's a natural fit, then it is unconscionable for me to not let you know that it's here because it can make your life better. Imagine if we thought about our products like that all the time and it really was that kind of fit. Like, it's my responsibility to let you know that this product is here because I really think, and let's talk about it, but I think this is going to be a game changer for you based on what's so important to you right now and your goals and where you are in life, personally and professionally. Yeah. So, well, I- a
1: different mindset. Sure. Great, great answer. And I'm glad you you took us to that place of of, of bad versus authentic marketing. I've uh, kind of transitioned from branding a little bit there. And, and that's, I think, an important place because, you know, there are people, if, especially if you're selling yourself or something that that you've done, you know, if I'm selling to you a hairbrush, actually, I want to maybe come back to this in a bit about, you know, if I'm selling a product, how deeply do I need to know you if the product is just what we might call an off the, off the shelf type of product that I'm competing with, you know, 10 other toothbrushes, 10 other hairbrushes, 10 other, you know, cereal boxes, whatever that might look like, you know, where does that fit in as opposed to, let's say, for me, my work as a coach, right? So if I'm right. going to, if I'm going to coach you, so I really need to get to know you and I really need to be able to distinguish and say, this is how I can or cannot help you. Right. So getting to know a person more deeply really matters. I do want to ask you that question. But before we do, coming back to the idea of authentic marketing and specifically being able to say to somebody, and this is something I personally struggle with. I imagine many people who are in the coaching or other related growth spaces, or even people who are providing services or or, or widgets or whatnot that go beyond it, you know, oftentimes we feel like all this notice me, I'm so great, kind of self-promotion that exists, social media in particular, feels, you know, a lack of alignment with my inner self. And I know, I know, even if I got it, you know, I know my family, honestly, you know, often push back and say, you know, you're just being too much, whatever it is. And I've, I've in many ways in their, in their eyes even changed over the last however many years because of the way that I market myself in the past, I was head of school. So I was always marketing the school. I was never marketing myself. Now I'm marketing myself because if I don't, People are not going to know to use me. So, but I, but I do feel that being authentic and being able to say that I have something, I have a skill, I have a talent, I have of a service that if I don't tell people about, then people in the world will lack or will, will have this void because I'm not there to fill it. Now, I'm not the only coach out there. I recognize that if, you know, they're looking for a coach, they'll find somebody but maybe, through my marketing and maybe through showing up and being authentic, people who maybe didn't realize the benefits of coaching will start to because they've been following me specifically. So it has helped me get past this issue, not so much the imposter issue, but really the issue of sure. of pushing myself out there, which doesn't feel super comfortable, besides, I'm introverted and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, it really is 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 a helpful point because I want people to realize, That, you know, putting yourself out there is not, hopefully not about stroking your own ego and just getting a bunch of vanity likes. It's really about helping the world know that you can help them. Yeah, I I
0: agree. And if I can just elaborate on that a little bit, you know, I think of a lot of times in marketing, we talk about stakeholders and I use that term to, I mean, I use it, we use it generally to say anyone at all in our orbit that, that matters to the conversation around this brand. Uh, that's that's your actual stakeholders. That's your board. Uh, that's your customers. That's your community that you're serving. But I would challenge those that are saying, hey, I, I'm, you know, look, I do the same thing. I'm on your podcast right now. I did a book and I have a radio show and a podcast. And I told my wife five years ago, we sat down, and had a conversation, Neftali, not much different than you've probably had along the way where I said, hey, we're doing a strategic move here to be more public. And it's partly around my brand, Derek Champagne brand. And, and just, you know, let's keep egos in check and let's keep imposter syndrome in check. But this is a platform for us to drive for a way that we know is a meaningful product that we want to get out there. And so we just had to get over it. But what I really look for is, and I encourage is think about your stakeholders. Don't, I'm not saying ignore critics and ignore everybody else. But if you have a response, and, and as a, it's, I have a, a board duty, I have a duty to serve my stakeholders. It's what I have to do. And outside of that, I'm not serving the others the same way. So right now I want to serve my stakeholders. I want to serve your stakeholders because we're talking. And so I would really encourage, think about your mission and uh, around those that you've been called to serve. And it's not everybody. If, if everyone, uh, listen, if you think you're called to serve everybody, that's, that's a pretty watered down message. It doesn't mean you can't have a message that connects with everyone, but you, ha- you have a, a group that you, your tribe and a group that you're called to serve. And that's where you're serving. And so focus on those stakeholders, focus on that tribe and focus on providing value to them. It makes it easier because now you're going to get comments and you're going to have other people see you and your family and extended family and friends. Those aren't necessarily your stakeholders around the mission for this product or the service that you're sharing. So just really focus on them and providing value to them.
1: Great. So I have a couple more questions in this segment, but I do want to go back to that point I mentioned before about the deep dive and trying to understand your clients, you know, on, on a very, let's call a personal level. So again, if I'm a coach, I understand that if I'm even doing marketing and branding, I totally understand that because that's who I need to serve and how I need to serve them. But if I'm selling an off the shelf product, for example, um, a blanket, you know, a, a, a hairbrush, as I mentioned before, those kinds of things, why is it important for them, for those individuals to really understand all the intricacy, so to speak, of their of their target client.
0: Uh so that's that's kind of layered, which I like. So bear with me for a second. Uh there's several reasons. One is let's let's go a couple different levels of who they're it's not always just the end customer. And I know this because my first company I owned was a was a uh a distributorship where I own famous, famous cookies and Jackson vanilla wafers and Merck in three different States and, and Walmart super centers and, and all the supermarkets and convenience stores. Those were all my customers. And I, and, and that was my route at 18 years old. I, I bought it and built it. And that was, so I understand the end product, but I also know there's a bunch of different stakeholders in there too. So let me just kind of describe a, a few of them. One is, one is it's important because the end product is on the shelf competing with how many others, right? So I need differentiation in my product. So understanding the customer, what's important to them. Well, I better understand that because I'm fighting on, and I did this with cookies. I mean, we had everything color-coded to know how we could pull this and sell more than Nabisco on the same shelf. I mean, there's a science to it on the marketing side and the retail space way. Anyway. And actually, you mentioned hairbrush. We have, we put a hairbrush product in or a a blow dryer product in Walmart two years ago, uh, nationwide. So we've actually had to design packaging and messaging specifically to what you're talking about. But it's really important because you need to pop. So you need to, you need to have attraction with visual, visual attraction and messaging attraction and why they should buy that market share uh, over the competition that's on the shelf. So that's one piece. So that, that's kind of an obvious answer, right? Yeah, I get it. It needs to pop out because I'm on the shelf. There's competition. How do, how do I win the favor by being visually and messaging more appealing? The next thing is when they open it up is did I actually make those things when they took it home? And did it actually do those things to where they're proud of the product? They're giving good reviews. They're referring it out. And they're coming back as a customer and buying my other products or coming back and buying my product again or buying it for Christmas gifts or whatever it might be. So critical for the end user. Let's back up a step. Distribution. Equally as important, if I don't understand how to have great messaging and communication and packaging and relationships and understand my, my retail customer, I'm not even in the store. And, and you make me think specifically, Naftali, how important it was in our cookie business for me to have a relationship with the store managers at, at Walmart, super centers, or whatever it might be. Because when we had a good relationship, we understood that customer, we were able to get end caps. And end caps are not just something that go up by chance, when you walk in a store, when you walk in a store and you see all the cookies or all the chips, somebody fought and built relationships to get that. They worked hard to get that with the store and they understood the store manager. They understood how to negotiate percentages with the store manager. They understood what was important to them for their store specifically. They understood what kind of incentives they needed. They understood where the product would sell better. So for us, when we could get an end cap on the milk aisle, which is a whole other business lesson, milk and cookies together on the same aisle, you sell twice as many of both. And so just all that say, understanding messaging, even at the retail level is critically important to understand the customer at all the different levels.
1: I love it. You know, and I, it's interesting because I don't, I don't shop for food very often. It's kind of like an ongoing joke in my family. Um, <laughs> but When I do, I actually do spend some time, not every time, but often I spend time on the psychology of the store. But thinking about the layout, thinking about the end caps, thinking about you know what which products are on which shelves, and uh, not necessarily this is opening a whole different element to it for me, in terms of thinking about the you know the the negotiation, the relationships, and all of that that got to that point. I always understood that the stores wanted to be strategic about what they put where for sales purposes. Now I have to think about. This, not I have to, but I probably will start to think about it. what did that person do in order to get that, you know, to get that result? <laughs> right. That's kind of neat, you know, an, an extra piece here. Okay. So um, I do want to ask you, because I, I, I mentioned at the beginning, I think somewhere, um, I run mastermind groups. You facilitate mastermind groups. Take a minute and just share with Lead to Succeed Nation a little bit about why mastermind groups are so valuable, why you're so passionate about it, and what it's done for the people in your group. That keep coming back for more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, you mentioned Aaron Walker. I do lead a group for him. I also have a marketing mastermind group that I lead as well, which is just focused on marketing directors and uh, the importance of that. The reason I personally do it, uh, I personally do it because it has been a game changer for me personally and professionally. I'm somebody that does not like to waste my time. I've got my time blocked to four to five hour workdays of understanding my science of how to be most productive and get the most done. I'm not going to waste an hour. I'm not going to waste time. Masterminds have been one of the best returns on my investment for time and and a couple of reasons why. One is accountability, probably one of the key things. Accountability, because I'm someone that wants to be held accountable. Actually, yes. I'm someone that doesn't want to be held accountable and needs to be held needs accountable. Needs to be. Yeah. So, so I require it. And but I'm someone that, if I say, I'm going to hold myself accountable. You better hold me accountable, because I want you to. I want you to put some benchmarks on me, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go meet those benchmarks and beat them. And if I don't meet them, and I can't figure out how to get to the next one, that mastermind group is going to understand my context. See, they're going to know me better than anybody else, and they're going to be able to help me get some of the friction points out of my way. Sometimes that being me. A lot of time that, times that being me and help me make sure I achieve those objectives. I don't want to waste time. I I, I want to live my purpose. I want to live the visions and the things that we've written out. I want to be the best I can be for my, all my stakeholders in my role, my family, my team, my employees, my community. And so a mastermind is a great way to subject yourself to an authentic group that will hold you accountable to getting results. And I, I just, I think it's one of the best, inventions out there for someone that really wants to break through in leadership and be very successful with, with a healthy dose of self-awareness and humility
1: along the way. Mm. I love how you said that. Yeah. The accountability piece is really, really critical. I know in my groups, for example, we set goals at the beginning. We refer back to those goals on a regular basis, both personal and professional. I'm sure you're doing you know things like that. And anytime we do a hot seat, the next session, the person's got to report back on how they've progressed, you know, uh-huh. since that. So there's this continuous focus on helping each other not only think differently, but also be accountable. Cause without accountability, nothing happens. And I think, you know, you know that better than anyone. My-
0: and one other point on that, Neftalis, is I think it's important for us to continue to evolve evolution is really important in our lives and and those that stay the same I'm not saying don't have roots in your faith and in and the things that you know are right and wrong but I'm talking about we need to continue to evolve and grow we must and the mastermind is helpful for doing that.
1: Oh, it so certainly is. So last question for this segment it relates to um, you know failure because as I mentioned to you when we first started chatting and just in general we all know that the very best leaders they seem when we first look at them, like they've just, you know, always been successful. Everything's gone right for them. They're, they're at the top of their game. We don't know the backstory. We don't know the challenges. We don't know the um, you know, the struggles, the trials, the tribulations. And as a result, we always say say to ourselves, well, I can never be Derek. I can never achieve what he's done. I mean, All this right. guy's this guy's beyond. So share with us, please, a, a failure that you've experienced that you've grown from. And uh, how that's helped you become who you are today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and by the way, I have I have sets of failures every single day and week. But uh, as you grow and you learn that that I'm an average person, uh, that is just committed to being exceptional by bringing the right people and things around me and systems in place. Uh, is as you learn to make pivots and 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 as you have small failures, they start to become tests for you, and they're never fun. People that tell you failure is fun. It's not true. It's never fun, no matter how seasoned you get in learning how to fail. It's never fun. Well, I learned a lesson, I'm sure, but it's still never fun. So just just know you'll always gonna have that gut punch when you have that failure. That never goes away, and if it does, then uh, I worry about you because it it shouldn't be fun. You need it to be a check for you. Uh, You know, I could point to a couple different ones, but I'm thinking, you know, for me, one of my biggest ones was Neftali was when I when I moved out of the. uh, from the music industry into the into the professional space. And I I made a move, uh, and and the move did not work out like I had thought. So uh, I basically went from being a Hollywood musician, which sounds cooler on the resume than talking Certainly about. Certainly sounds other cool. Stuff, yeah. Went from that to being a cubicle in Bentonville, Arkansas within a six month period. Mm. Uh, it, it was bad enough for me. Uh, and I was disappointed by choice, by the way. I made the choice and I went into a minority ownership on a product. It didn't work out. And and uh I had, I had a, a, a breakdown where I had to go to the emergency room three different times wow. uh, to the point where I was, you know, just really at a really low point in my life by choice within that six month period. Uh, and, and I had to have a doctor tell me, uh, uh, Derek, you're not dying. You're just unhappy. And you've got to make a change. Uh, and, and, but that was a real low point for me to realize that I was starting over in everything from realizing, re- reinventing who my brand was reinventing who I was it was just real. And, and this is at 30, 31 years old, by the way, I wasn't, I wasn't 18. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was in, in the next season of my career. And so that failure was, a, uh, was a really big learning point for me into, into, uh, into, uh, how to be more intentional and in where I put my values in, uh, as far as my identity as well.
1: Wow. What a story. Okay. So let, let's talk a little on the rapid fire side, short and sweet. Uh, you've been in, I don't know how long you've been in Arkansas for, but the only thing that I associate with, our, with Arkansas are the Clintons. And so what would be <laughs> something cool or something most people don't know about Arkansas?
0: Okay, yes. Uh, we are the mountain biking capital of the world now Ooh. as of this year. And we have friends coming from all over the country just to visit Bentonville, Arkansas. Uh, wow. and, and see these incredible mountain biking trails. Okay, so
1: I'm not sure I'm up to it, but my nine-year-old and I must must probably get there at some point. All right, yes. next one: a book that you read or gift often.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a plug to Mr. Aaron Walker then, View from the top. Uh, love that book. Uh, love Aaron's story.
1: Nice. Um, what's a quote that you think about often, refer to, sort of inspires you? A quote that inspires me.
0: Um, I, I, oh, wow, oh, you get or, or maybe, or maybe one
1: you use with your clients on a regular basis, just
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's actually from John to Julius, uh, and he shares, uh, it's about customer service. John to Julius, a 30-wrote relationship economy, uh, and he says, uh, it may not be your fault, but it is your problem, and mm. that is addressing customers and their needs, and it is your problem no matter what, even if it's not your fault.
1: That's it's true of my problem. conversations at home with my kids, so that's totally <laughs> relevant. <laughs> All right. And the last one, a productivity tip that helps you, Derek, to get more done. Productivity tip.
0: It's not an app. It's a, it's a commitment to getting up early in the morning, four 30 in the morning, mm. the gym, have quiet time, block your hours, be done by 12 or one o'clock in the day
1: and, and uh, just be intentional with your time blocks. Love it. I'm doing five o'clock. I thought that was early, but I guess I'll have to push, <laughs> five it, is early. Five push is it. early. I'll push it to four 30. Actually, yesterday to go out of town, I got I, uh, I pushed it to four thirty. Meanwhile, there was an accident in the Lincoln Tunnel, and so I missed my train anyway. Uh, what are you gonna do anyway? Uh, so, um, give us a mo- um, t- take a moment to let Lead to Succeed Nation know where they can find you, where they can, you know, benefit additionally from your wisdom, your experience, your your prowess in so many different areas. Um, you know, help us find you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Always happy to have a conversation. If you look me up on LinkedIn, Derek Champagne, I'm very active there. Uh, I've got a book, Don't Buy a Duck. If you Google that, look for it. Uh, the new edition came out earlier this year. It's endorsed by one of my heroes, Seth Godin. Uh, and then Mastermind.com. We have a marketing mastermind. It's just for marketing. It's focused on marketing. Uh, all the things we talked about masterminds, uh, picture that for marketing. We bring our marketing plans together there. We challenge each other on it. We help overcome friction points and help marketing directors or entrepreneurs who are responsible for marketing to get results.
1: Awesome. Okay. And we're going to have that in the show notes as well. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of sad that this conversation is going to end, uh, at least for now, but uh, let's at least sort of end on a, on a positive where you share, please, Derek, one final life lesson for all of us to, to benefit from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to continue from the conversation I had where I said I came out of the hospital. A doctor told me uh, things were not, you know, you're not, uh, you're just unhappy. You're not sick. Uh, And I realized the big important lesson there. And and I'm somebody, if any of you can relate to this, then, then, you know, this is embarrassing for me, but I I learned to share it because I want to help others. Uh, As I realized that uh, I I, I wasn't, when I moved on from things, I wasn't always happy for others. I figured out when I moved on if it didn't happen, if it didn't work out great, I was not somebody that was was hoping I could put a, a fingerprint on something and move on. It continues to flourish. I've learned to be that from a lot of masterminds and a lot of help. And so my, my thought is to think of yourself, if you're an entrepreneur, as a legacy entrepreneur. Anything that you touch when you leave, you want it to be better and you want it to be able to continue to go on without you. Uh, and, and you really want to be... Some people are great at that. I wasn't. So if you're somebody that it stings when you hear news that somebody else is doing well and you're not a part of it anymore. Uh, really think through how you
1: can put your fingerprint on something, leave, and it'd be better than when you started or were part of it. Wow. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I'm really glad that Aaron connected us. I'm really glad to have reached episode 100 with such a fantastic guest. So thank you for being here, Derek. And I can't wait to share this message far and wide. More people just need to get that wisdom that you've been sharing and continued success really in everything you do. Thank you. Congratulations
0: again on number 100. There you go.
1: Bye-bye now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen.